Section 60 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 4, by Henry Gray. The Internal Ear or Labyrinth, Part 2. The ductus cochlearis, membranous cochlea, scala media. The ductus cochlearis consists of a spirally arranged tube enclosed in the bony canal of the cochlea and lying along its outer wall. As already stated, the osseous spiral lamina extends only part of the distance between the modiolus and the outer wall of the cochlea, while the basilar membrane stretches from its free edge to the outer wall of the cochlea and completes the roof of the scala tympani. A second and more delicate membrane, the vestibular membrane, Reisneri, extends from the thickened periosteum covering the osseous spiral lamina to the outer wall of the cochlea, where it is attached at some little distance above the outer edge of the basilar membrane. A canal is thus shut off between the scala tympani below and the scala vestibuli above. This is the ductus cochlearis, or scala media. It is triangular on transverse section, its roof being formed by the vestibular membrane, its outer wall by the periosteum lining the bony canal, and its floor by the membrana basilaris and the outer part of the lamina spiralis ossea. Its extremities are closed. The upper is termed the lagina and is attached to the cupula at the upper part of the helicotrema. The lower is lodged in the recessus cochlearis of the vestibule. Near the lower end, the ductus cochlearis is brought into continuity with the saccule by a narrow short canal, the canalis reuniens of Henson. On the membrana basilaris is situated the spiral organ of corti. The vestibular membrane is thin and homogeneous, and is covered on its upper and under surfaces by a layer of epithelium. The periosteum, forming the outer wall of the ductus cochlearis, is greatly thickened and altered in character and is called the spiral ligament. It projects inward below as a triangular prominence, the basilar crest, which gives attachment to the outer edge of the basilar membrane. Immediately above the crest is a concavity, the sulcus spiralis externus. The upper portion of the spiral ligament contains numerous capillary loops and small blood vessels, and is termed the stria vascularis. The osseous spiral lamina consists of two plates of bone, and between these are the canals for the transmission of the filaments of the acoustic nerve. On the upper plate of that part of the lamina which is outside the vestibular membrane, the periosteum is thickened to form the limbus laminae spiralis. This ends externally in a concavity, the sulcus spiralis internus, which represents, on section, the form of the letter C. The upper part, formed by the overhanging extremity of the limbus, is named the vestibular lip. The lower part, prolonged and tapering, is called the tympanic lip, and is perforated by numerous foramina for the passage of the cochlear nerves. The upper surface of the vestibular lip is intersected at right angles by a number of furrows, between which are numerous elevations. These present the appearance of teeth along the free surface and margin of the lip, and have been named by Huska the auditory teeth. The limbus is covered by a layer of what appears to be squamous epithelium, but the deeper parts of the cells with their contained nuclei occupy the intervals between the elevations and between the auditory teeth. 
this layer of epithelium is continuous on the one hand with that lining the sulcus spiralis internus, and on the other with that covering the undersurface of the vestibular membrane. Basilar Membrane The basilar membrane stretches from the tympanic lip of the osseous spiral lamina to the basilar crest and consists of two parts, an inner and an outer. The inner is thin and is named the zona arcuata. It supports the spiral organ of corti. The outer is thicker and striated, and is termed the zona pectinata. The undersurface of the membrane is covered by a layer of vascular connective tissue. One of the vessels in this tissue is somewhat larger than the rest, and is named the vas spirale. It lies below corti's tunnel. The spiral organ of corti, organon spirale, corti, organ of corti, is composed of a series of epithelial structures placed upon the inner part of the basilar membrane. The more central of these structures are two rows of rod-like bodies, the inner and outer rods or pillars of corti. The bases of the rods are supported on the basilar membrane, those of the inner row at some distance from those of the outer. The two rows incline toward each other and, coming into contact above, enclose between them and the basilar membrane a triangular tunnel, the tunnel of corti. On the inner side of the inner rods is a single row of hair cells, and on the outer side of the outer rods three or four rows of similar cells, together with certain supporting cells termed the cells of Dietas and Henson. The free ends of the outer hair cells occupy a series of apertures in a net-like membrane, the reticular membrane, and the entire organ is covered by the tectorial membrane. Rods of Corti Each of these consists of a base or footplate, an elongated part or body, and an upper end or head. The body of each rod is finely striated, but in the head there is an oval, non-striated portion which stains deeply with carmine. Occupying the angles between the rods and the basilar membrane are nucleated cells which partly envelop the rods and extend onto the floor of Corti's tunnel. These may be looked upon as the undifferentiated parts of the cells from which the rods have been formed. The inner rods number nearly 6,000, and their bases rest on the basilar membrane close to the tympanic lip of the sulcus spiralis internus. The shaft or body of each is sinuously curved and forms an angle of about 60 degrees with the basilar membrane. The head resembles the proximal end of the ulna and presents a deep concavity which accommodates a convexity on the head of the outer rod. The head plate or portion overhanging the concavity overlaps the head plate of the outer rod. The outer rods, nearly 4,000 in number, are longer and more obliquely set than the inner, forming with the basilar membrane an angle of about 40 degrees. Their heads are convex internally. They fit into the concavities on the heads of the inner rods and are continued outward as thin flattened plates, termed phalangeal processes, which unite with the phalangeal processes of Dieter's cells to form the reticular membrane. Hair Cells the hair cells are short columnar cells. Their free ends are on a level with the heads of Corti's rods, and each is surmounted by about twenty hair-like processes, arranged in the form of a crescent with its concavity directed inward. The deep ends of the cells reach about halfway along Corti's rods, and each contains a large nucleus. In contact with the deep ends of the hair cells are the terminal filaments of the cochlear division of the acoustic nerve. The inner hair cells are arranged in a single row on the medial side of the inner rods, 
and their diameters being greater than those of the rods, it follows that each hair cell is supported by more than one rod. The free ends of the inner hair cells are encircled by a cuticular membrane which is fixed to the heads of the inner rods. Adjoining the inner hair cells are one or two rows of columnar supporting cells, which, in turn, are continuous with the cubical cells lining the sulcus spiralis internus. The outer hair cells number about 12,000, and are nearly twice as long as the inner. In the basal coil of the cochlea they are arranged in three regular rows, in the apical coil in four somewhat irregular rows. Between the rows of the outer hair cells are rows of supporting cells, called the cells of Dieters. Their expanded bases are planted on the basilar membrane, while the opposite end of each presents a clubbed extremity or phalangeal process. Immediately to the outer side of Dieter's cells are five or six rows of columnar cells, the supporting cells of Henson. Their bases are narrow, while their upper parts are expanded and form a rounded elevation on the floor of the ductus cochlearis. The columnar cells lying outside Henson's cells are termed the cells of Claudius. A space exists between the outer rods of Corti and the adjacent hair cells. This is called the space of Newell. The rectangular lamina is a delicate framework perforated by rounded holes which are occupied by the free ends of the outer hair cells. It extends from the heads of the outer rods of Corti to the external row of the outer hair cells and is formed by several rows of minute fiddle-shaped cuticular structures called phalanges, between which are circular apertures containing the free ends of the hair cells. The innermost row of phalanges consists of the phalangeal processes of the outer rods of Corti. The outer rows are formed by the modified free ends of Dieter's cells. Covering the sulcus spiralis internus and the spiral organ of Corti is the tectorial membrane, which is attached to the limbus laminae spiralis close to the inner edge of the vestibular membrane. Its inner part is thin and overlies the auditory teeth of Hushka. Its outer part is thick, and along its lower surface, opposite the inner hair cells, is a clear band, named Henson's stripe, due to the intercrossing of its fibres. The lateral margin of the membrane is much thinner. Hardesty considers the tectorial membrane as the vibrating mechanism in the cochlea. It is inconceivably delicate and flexible, far more sensitively flexible in the transverse than in the longitudinal direction, and the readiness with which it bends when touched is beyond description. It is ectodermal in origin. It consists of fine colourless fibres embedded in a transparent matrix. The matrix may be a variety of soft keratin, of a soft collagenous, semi-solid character with marked adhesiveness. The general transverse direction of the fibres inclines from the radius of the cochlea toward the apex. The acoustic nerve, nervus acousticus, auditory nerve or nerve of hearing, divides near the bottom of the internal acoustic meatus into an anterior or cochlea and a posterior or vestibular branch. The vestibular nerve, nervus vestibularis, supplies the utricle, the saccule and the ampullae of the semicircular ducts. On the trunk of the nerve, within the internal acoustic meatus, is a ganglion, the vestibular ganglion, ganglion of scarpa. The fibres of the nerve arise from the cells of this ganglion. On the distal side of the ganglion, the nerve splits into a superior, an inferior, and a posterior branch. 
the filaments of the superior branch are transmitted through the foramina in the area vestibularis superior and end in the macula of the utricle and in the ampullae of the superior and lateral semicircular ducts those of the inferior branch traverse the foramina in the area vestibularis inferior and end in the macula of the saccule the posterior branch runs through the foramen singulare at the posto inferior part of the bottom of the meatus and divides into filaments for the supply of the ampulla of the posterior semicircular duct the cochlear nerve nervus cochlearis divides into numerous filaments at the base of the modiolus those for the basal and middle coils pass through the foramina in the tractus spiralis foraminosis those for the apical coil through the canalis centralis and the nerves bend outward to pass between the lamellae of the osseous spiral lamina occupying the spiral canal of the modiolus is the spiral ganglion of the cochlea ganglion of corti consisting of bipolar nerve cells which constitute the cells of origin of this nerve reaching the outer edge of the osseous spiral lamina the fibres of the nerve pass through the foramina in the tympanic lip some end by arborizing around the bases of the inner hair cells while others pass between cortis rods and across the tunnel to end in a similar manner in relation to the outer hair cells the cochlear nerve gives off a vestibular branch to supply the vestibular end of the ductus cochlearis the filaments of this branch pass through the foramina in the fossa cochlearis vessels the arteries of the labyrinth are, are the internal auditory from the basilar and the stylomastoid from the posterior auricula the internal auditory artery divides at the bottom of the internal acoustic meatus into two branches cochlear and vestibular the cochlear branch subdivides into twelve or fourteen twigs which traverse the canals in the modiolus and are distributed in the form of a capillary network in the lamina spiralis and basilar membrane the vestibular branches are distributed to the utricle saccule and semicircular ducts the veins of the vestibule and semicircular canals accompany the arteries and receiving those of the cochlea at the base of the modiolus unite to form the internal auditory veins which end in the posterior part of the superior petrosal sinus or in the transverse sinus end of section sixty